Hello and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders and in this eighth episode of the show I'm speaking with Norwegian harmonica player Rikard Jems. So I've been a fan of Rikard's playing for many years. He's been one of the most respected harmonica players in the Norwegian blues scene for a long time. And since I started out in the blues myself, I quickly became familiar with his work there. But Rikard isn't just a blues musician, he has been working in pretty much every musical genre there is. And uh, a lot of his style actually comes from mixing different genres and techniques in a very original way. Recently, I discovered that he has also been doing a good bit of research into the topic of Nordic folk music on the harmonica. And I figured that could be an interesting topic for a conversation. Um, The harmonica has traditionally been a very popular and common instrument in the Nordic countries largely because of how portable and inexpensive it was. But today, there are very few Nordic traditional musicians treating the harmonica as a serious instrument. And I can personally only name a couple of musicians off the top of my head. So our conversation can roughly be divided into two parts. The first part is all about Nordic folk music on the harmonica. Different styles, techniques, players, recordings and so on. Rikard also has a bunch of harmonicas with him, so he plays and demonstrates quite a bit during our conversation, which is very helpful, I think. Um, In the second part, we go into all kinds of different topics like similarities between the blues scene and the folk scene, uh, what it even means to play the blues in 2020, um, how to balance tradition and innovation, branding, and a bunch of other things, really. So a classic podcast conversation, in other words. Now, if you find this conversation interesting, I recommend you check out the episode page on the show website. There you'll find a few videos of Ricard playing tunes and demonstrating different techniques. And there will also be links to the different players and resources that we discuss in our conversation. So please check it out at thefolkmusicpodcast.com. Okay, so that's it for the introduction. Here is my conversation with Ricard Jems. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Ricard Jems. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. And big thanks for inviting me to your home, or at least to your veranda. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lovely summer day here in Moss, and um, there's some rain clouds in the horizon, but uh, hopefully we'll have an an hour or hour and a half. They'll go away, so it's no problem. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this is the third episode of the podcast that I'm doing in person, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a great feeling. I mean, Skype is a wonderful thing, but you can't really replace the feeling of like being in the same room or the same environment as the person you're talking to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, I'm really happy to have you here because um, I've been familiar with your work yeah. since I was a teenager, basically. Yeah. Uh, because um, as many of my listeners will know, although I'm mostly active in like folk music today, mm. I started off in blues yeah yeah and i was very active in like the blues scene in my teens and, and early 20s yeah um and your name came up all the time mm. <laughs> um like back in those days i, I used to buy cds that's yeah you, yeah, you, yeah you yeah. remember those days yeah, when we yeah, bought yeah. cds yeah uh, and i used to read liner notes and your name kept popping up yeah yeah, yeah. and um and also i i play a little bit of harmonica myself yeah. even though keyboards and an organ, piano, those kind of instruments were like my main instruments. Yeah. I've always had the the harmonicas like a side thing. Yeah, yeah. So um so always been a big fan. Uh, but mm. recently I found out that you have also been um 
uh, working with folk music on the yeah. harmonica, and that was just the excuse I needed to bring <laughs> you on the show. Um, so I really like that part of doing a podcast. I have like an excuse to, yeah, to yeah. talk to people that I admire and yeah. and, and and like to work of. So I'd like to talk about our uh, harmonica traditions in Scandinavia, mm. um, which is something I find. Very interesting, and, and it's also very visible in the scene. No. There's a lot of fiddles, and uh, well, mostly fiddles, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Accordions. Yeah. Um, so I'd really like to touch on that, and you have a bunch of harmonicas with you, so we, yes. can, we can do some, you can demonstrate. Yeah. And I would also like to talk a little bit about the blues scene as well, because I feel there are many similarities, yeah. actually. It's true. And it's all music in the answer. Yeah. Uh, but before we dive into all of this nerdiness, yeah. maybe you could quickly just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got started with the blues and yeah. how you discovered folk music. Well, I started out uh, in the early 90s uh, playing blues music because uh, I had a uh, very active teacher at uh, school and he was uh, really into teaching us about blues for some reason. I don't know. Uh, and I heard uh, Blind Willie Johnson, Sonny Terry and so on. And I, I really, you know, there was something in that music that talked to me, you know. And... Uh, 30 years uh, later, I'm sitting right here, and I've been playing uh, all kind of different genres, uh, really, on the harmonica. Uh, I don't. I usually say I don't play bebop or classical music, but <laughs> or everything else in between. And I, I like to dabble with, you know, different genres and different tunings and different kind of expressions. Mm. And I've done uh, quite a lot of uh, session work uh, during the years. Everything from Americana to uh, straight pop music to movie soundtracks, which I really like doing because mm. that then they can kind of you know do anything and work on different soundscapes and so on. And I also have uh, done this collaboration with Turana Becken, piano player. Uh, he's like known for being Norway's most well-known boogie-woogie pianist. I think many people view him as that. Yes, that's true. And he's, he's, he's actually much more than that too, but he's... Uh uh, he's, he's been dabbling, Doctor Becky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got the Doctor moniker, but he's been dabbling with all kinds of uh, Afro-American music genres and also Norwegian folk music. Mm. Uh, and uh, we did, uh, we have done like three albums together, and we put in some material from the border part of Norway to Sweden mm. called Finskogen, where you have like Finnish immigrants that uh, settled down in the uh, in in the 17th century. And uh, we did some traditional stuff from there in our, you know, own kind of uh, jazz blues way. Mm. And after that, I got an interest for, you know, traditional harmonica playing in Scandinavia because I, I wondered, you know, what is that tradition, you know, and yeah. how does it sound? Mm. And uh, the thing is, my approach is kind of like, you know, the famous Louis Armstrong quote, like folk music, I never heard a horse sing a song. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good point. Yeah, so for me, it kind of, and, and playing harmonica, it kind of makes sense because you can see these connections in, in, in the uh, different kind of techniques that the players are using to uh, use this small instrument mm. to produce as much music as possible uh, using uh, techniques as tongue blocking, split tonguing, and polyrhythmic stuff and so on. And mm. I think... Uh, most good folk music or traditional music is all about, you know, rhythm, texture, and tone, you know? Uh, and they're, 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 it's kind of like communal music trying to, you know, 
communicate something. Mm. So uh, that has been my uh, approach to the to 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 that kind of playing, and uh, I would really not, you know. <laughs> call myself an expert in in Scandinavian folk harmonica playing because um, that is uh, as uh, all kind of genres you know it demands years of studying and and you know uh, the deepening of your understanding of the tradition. Mm. So, but I've been I've been dabbling with it and. Uh, but your back, your main background is from from the blues. Yes, it's, it's, it's from the blues, you know, mm. and, and I think. Uh, uh, talking harmonica because we're going to talk harmonica here. um this instrument was designed in germany in um, uh, early 19th century it was actually based on a chinese invention that was like 2000 years old but it's another story mm. and uh, it's uh, simple in design but very clever and it's you know made for playing children's music waltzes and so on you know by mainly uh, blowing out mm. uh, and you can play stuff like um, and so on and it's also a fairly affordable instrument it's, compared it's to like uh, fiddles yeah. and accordions and that's why uh, many people consider it that you know like a toy uh, and easy and to bring with you as easy well. to bring along too you know and uh, in what I found interesting is that in the blues tradition which is kind of like a it's, it's folk music too, you know, mm. or, or in between folk, vernacular and popular music. But anyway, then Afro-American musicians and, and other kind of, you know, uh, musicians with a European background in the US in, in the 19th century and early 20th century, they discovered that you could, uh, uh, you know, shape the notes by doing this kind of glissando uh, uh, stuff and uh, uh, using all kind of bends and slurs and so on. Mm. Uh, and that is the thing that gives this instrument some kind of expressive quality that yeah. reminds you of a, a human voice. Like, uh, for example, you play like a like a small blues ditty. And it's mm. very, you know, it's very vocal, like wow, wow. Mm. And um, at the same time, uh, when you do that kind of what you call, you know, second position where you mostly draw in when you play harmonica, mm. it also opens up some rhythmical possibilities. Yes. That uh, makes this instrument uh, very good for, for playing kind of like train rhythms, boogie-woogie patterns and, and so on. Mm. So... Uh, in uh, today's context, most people associate this diatonic harmonica with that kind of, you know, blues-based playing. Yeah. Uh, so on. But when you when you developed an interest for like Nordic traditional music, mm. uh, was it hard to know where to start? Yeah. Yes, it was because uh, <laughs> what uh, I found was uh, that you had this uh, harmonica. Uh, we say tradition in the in the border area between Sweden and Norway, mm. uh, where you also find this uh, German-influenced uh, accordion tradition too mm. from the from the second half of the 19th century, and uh, where you find some uh, found some field recordings of of uh, harmonica players. Uh, there's not many of them, no. uh, but in Sweden there's some more, and there's some good compilations out there too uh, that you can listen to. And in Finland, there's actually quite a lot of them. But yeah. in Finland, they had a more distinct style, uh, preferring this kind of minor-tuned harps yeah. <laughs> and, and and different kind of, you know, scales and, and, and rhythm patterns. 
So, but I listen to um, uh, guys like uh, Skogsby Lasse, okay. uh, which was a, 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 a he, he was a harmonica player from Sweden that played a lot in in middle part of Norway, and uh, that kind of area in the middle part of Norway and middle part of Sweden have on the border have quite a few things in common, mm. uh, and. Uh, those were the things I picked up on trying to 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 understand this kind of uh, expression. And today you have um, uh, guys like uh, I think it's called Johan Hammarberg and other Swedish uh, 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 spellemen or, or, or harmonica musicians mm. that kind of carry this tradition on. Uh, and uh, what is distinctive about it is that they have this very profound use of tongue block technique yeah. for playing a bass on their left side of the mouth and the melody on the right side Could of the mouth. Could you demonstrate that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can do like a... Um, I can do a little sample for you, like... And so on, and um, you have this bass line going all the time, chug 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 underneath. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, for me, it was remarkably close to listening to like a old timey American harmonica player, uh, yeah. like D. Ford Bailey. He used the same kind of polyrhythmic uh, bass lines when he played his stuff too. It's like uh, he could play something like. Um, <laughs> And 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 the trick there is to 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 you know uh, play two things at the same time <laughs> on, yeah, exactly. on uh, <laughs> each side of your mouth. So and, and I think that is that was an American tune, the last one. That's a little snippet of uh, alcoholic blues, I think oh, it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, and. Um, uh, while we talk about you know like the Finnish harmonica uh, playing, I also listen to a lot of accordion playing and fiddle playing from uh, uh, Finskogen, the border area between Norway and and Sweden, where mm. you, where I'm originally from, and where you have uh, this kind of uh, Finnish inspired musical tradition too, which yeah, kind a of a lot of a minor yeah a lot minor of minor tunes. stuff. So <laughs> I, uh, for example, I use like a harmonic minor harmonica. Uh, which suits some of that material pretty good, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's um, uh, a minor tuning that uh, uh, opened up s new sonic possibilities, and at the same time you can use the same technique as you do on a regular harmonica, which tend to be what they call richter tuned. Yeah, because yeah. if anyone is not into harmonicas, yeah. that's like th the thing is that you don't. It's not only that you need an, an different harmonicas for different keys. No. There's also different tunings yes, in each exa key. Exactly. So eventually you end up with a bag full of... Uh, <laughs> if you're unlucky. <laughs> no, but uh, no, that's true. You have all kind of different uh, tunings these days because now you can customize them, you know? Mm. So in my... Uh, uh, in my suitcase here, I every kind of you know minor tunings like Dorian minor, uh, modal kind of uh, uh, minor, harmonic minor, mm. and and so on. But if you go back like a hundred years, what you usually could get was the Richter tuning, which is like a major tuning. Mm. 
when you have like a seventh chord when you draw in. That's the one you you hear on like ninety percent of the harmonica recordings. Yeah, that's the kind of yeah. what what you're used to hearing in in the blues. Yeah, yeah, e e exactly. Mm. But and the other tuning that uh, you could buy back then, uh, at least in Finland and some other countries, was this harmonic minor tuning, and it's like. A So uh, you can use the same kind of techniques there, but then you have this minor expression instead, you know? Mm. So uh, I can play a little example from a um, song I heard there with Kjetil uh, Skarslin, uh, which is called Uxvorn, which okay. means something like the, the nobler parts of the bull or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he told me. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it kind of suits this uh, harmonic minor tune harmonica, uh, even though I, I never heard it on anything else than accordion and, and fiddle before. So mm. it goes like... Um, Something like that. Oh, nice. So, and <laughs> there you use, you know, you use the tongue both for playing octaves and for playing tremolo effects like, or playing percussive effects like. And uh, often when you play harmonica, you combine those things together, and that's what I like about the harmonica. Mm. You have this kind of blend of, you know, rhythm. Uh, and <laughs> and melody and embellishment at the same time. So mm. um, I, I think it's a cool thing. But when you got into playing uh, folk music, like mm. Nordic, Scandinavian folk music, yeah. did you feel like you had to reinvent a bunch of things? Or or like was there already kind of a tradition there that you could just learn? Uh, I, I listen a lot to the, the archival footage uh, or uh, archival sound recordings from Finland, uh, from the... Uh, the Kale Basso, I think that's called, is a compilation with Finnish harmonica players, okay, uh, which is really good. And I picked up some techniques and stuff there, but I tried to combine that with the techniques I have from playing American old-time music and blues music, yeah. because it kind of resonates together. Mm. So I think it's more interesting, actually, to you know find um, tunes for other instruments and try to transpose them to the harmonica. Mm. Uh, I, I like that because you also have such a small repertoire for that kind of instrument. So, and, mm. and I think a lot of uh, traditional harmonica players in Scandinavia today do the same thing. They listen to, you know, to, to accordion songs or, or tunes or, or fiddle tunes and, mm. and uh, try to adapt them. Mm. Cool. Um, but I think you told me before we, we started recording that uh, this type of harmonica wasn't the most common one used in in Scandinavia. No, uh, the most common one in Scandinavia, I believe, was the tremolo harmonica, yeah. where you have like two reeds resonating at the same time, mm. but they're not quite in the same pitch, so they're kind of oscillating. So you get this tremolo effect, you know, mm. like a French wet uh, musette accordion. Yeah, yeah, the same kind of sound, and. Uh, 
with those harmonicas, they are um, mostly tuned almost the same as these small diatonic uh, harmonicas, mm. um, but they have a different sound and some of the nuances are not that articulated, you know? It's, it's a different kind of sound. Uh, but they were popular, and I think if you were playing by yourself, they probably produced, a, in many people's ear, a fuller and richer sound yeah. than, than these uh, small uh, diatonics. And uh, that's why you, f if you went to a, you know, an old music store in 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 uh, where I'm from, Hedmark, in in, um, in early 1990s, you found this uh, the, uh, this is the glass display on the counter mm. full of harmonicas that's been standing there for probably 50 or 60 years, yeah. and was all tremolo harmonicas in there. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and also like that's the kind of harmonica you'd find lying around. Open on the addict, or yeah, like yeah, 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 that's true, that's so true. They seem to have been it's the one that your granddad popular. had, or something, yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I play, I play the tremolo sometimes too, but uh, I prefer the sound of the regular diatonic because it's uh, it's just uh, one pure reed resonating, you know, there's no wolves, there, there's nothing else. So, but uh, to answer your question fully. Uh, playing this kind of material, I kind of tried to invent, you know, some things myself because I'm trying to combine this, you know, blues tonality thing mm. with uh, with the traditional music. Uh, an example could be in another uh, <laughs> minor kind of tuning called the natural minor. Okay. Um, we are uh, playing this song called Midisjollen with Turana Becken, which is a Finnish kind of. Uh, song known as the national anthem of Finskogen or the area between uh, border area between Sweden and Norway in Hedmark uh, and it's uh, for me it sounds like I heard an old woman sing this on a, some archival sound recording uh, and uh, it sounds like a, a lullaby or something like okay. that yeah uh, and we did this on record with uh, me and Tora and I and uh, we kind of tried to make it blend into this kind of blues jazz language. And I think it suits it really well. So I play this in second position on a natural minor harmonica. Which means that you're not playing in the actual key that the harmonica no, is tuned exactly. to? No, exactly. It's tuned to D, but I'm playing in A. Yeah, so it's, it's like fifth above the main key. Exactly. Then. It's like if you're a fiddler in traditional music, you play what you call cross fiddle sometimes, you know, mm. in a different tuning. So it's kind of the same kind of uh, uh, principle. But uh, the, the reason why I'm doing this is because then you have all these uh, uh, notes where you can, you know, um, bend the reeds and you can add some kind of vocalization and you know you have all these kind of effects and you can also have a rhythm going at the same time mm. so uh, and but second position playing in Scandinavian um, traditional harmonica not very playing common maybe no no not not that I have heard it's almost like everything I heard of old recordings are our first position mm. uh, really but I can play a little bit of midisiolen um, it goes like You know, it suits the harmonica very. Yeah, it suits well. it very well. I think it, it's really it suits it very well. 
So I think it's different kind of, you know, minor tunings, for example, that uh, had not been used traditionally for, for... Because they weren't available? Basically. No, they weren't available, you know. That can be used for this kind of uh, folk music. So it's, it's just to start to explore. <laughs> mm. So... Okay, so, um, I mean, your background is primarily from the blues. Yeah. Um, which is, in a way, a type of folk music, Absolutely. Uh, you, you could argue. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, I think it's ridiculous today to play blues without acknowledging how this is an Afro-American music tradition that comes from the Afro-American experience mm. uh, and is based on uh, a cultural experience that I never can be a fully part of. You know, so yeah. I always feel like when playing blues, like I'm you know guest in some other people's house, so to speak. Yeah. But at the same time. The blues is also turned into some kind of universal language, mm. which can have different meanings in new contexts. I have a kind of a similar experience uh, to. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Irish traditional music yeah. in in recent years, yeah. and I mean, I'm not Irish. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I feel like uh, like a fraud, almost like I'm yeah, playing yeah, yeah. someone else's music, yeah. and I can never yeah. truly. Um, be a part of that culture I can no. I will forever be a guest yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. but I think it has a lot to do with myself and how I think about it yeah. because it's not that whenever I go to Ireland I don't feel not welcome really No, no. it's no, just no. this feeling I have that I can't really uh, uh, this isn't my music so to speak no no and it's it's about you know this constructed concept of authenticity, where a lot of people think that you know if you're American or if you're uh, uh, Irish, then you play you know uh, authentic blues or authentic Irish music. Mm. But I think as a as a as a thinking working musician, uh, you find out after a while. Well, I, I think so that a lot of the things that define a genre or you know makes you an authentic musician is all the small, subtle nuances that are part of the craft, you know? Mm. All the things that has to do with embellishments and microtonality and rhythmic textures and all these small details that tells when you play that you've really been studying this stuff hard yeah. for years. And when I played with Afro-American blues musicians or blues musicians at all, that's what that's what they acknowledge, you know? Yeah. That, that's what uh, matters. Uh, and... Uh, at the same time, you have the textual aspect of the music, where you you, you know you're singing "I Got My Mojo Working," and, and oh, yeah, you mean the, the lyrics? The lyrics, yeah, uh, like the lyrics or the text, uh, and, and singing blues today. Then it can be like uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to be convincing, hundred percent. Yeah, you know what that, I mean. And it's the same thing, like in most European folk music traditions, like the the things that they sing about in the songs. Yeah, it's all very. Um, alien to our life today. Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, most Norwegian folk songs are about bringing home the cows, or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or or there's a lot of religious texts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but, but I think it's important. So, uh, how, how should one approach that? You think? <laughs> like, do, do, do you have to um, just think of it as you're telling stories, someone else's stories from the past? I, I think it's important to. Uh, and acknowledge the past and to contextualize the past, especially if you, you know, if if, if you play like a traditional song. I think it would be um, properly suited to tell something about the song and the context of the song, mm. or else it's. I think it's very strange. But at the same time, yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge uh, tradition, but at the same time also try to, you know, 
develop your own voice and to 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 be innovative in some kind of way or do something new because i think for a lot of uh, traditional musicians or blues musicians folk musicians i think that, that kind of developing your own expression your own sound mm, very important but at the same time playing in the tradition mm. that's the thing you know and it's very difficult and like i mean the blues is it's a tradition with very strict rules really I mean, I, I I come from the blues myself. Yeah, yeah. And like we were talking about this just before, that it's so common for people to start out in the blues. Yeah. And then they use that as a springboard into maybe jazz or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, other types of music that is really based on the blues, yeah. which is most Western popular music. Yeah, yeah. But then it's no longer blues what they're yeah. doing, and then they're no longer part of the blues scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like if you're playing jazz, you can do almost anything yeah, and, it's and a, still call it jazz <laughs> and still be a part of the jazz that, scene that's you know? true jazz is more like an analytical concept these days like <laughs> yeah, a, well, like an Afro-American based genre than it used to be but uh, but did you find that as like uh, as a uh, is that a, like a restriction on your creativity to be a blues musician I, I think that uh, um, I think the ironic thing is that if you go back to the early days of recording uh, you know, commercial recordings of uh, blues music or ragtime, old-timey music and so on. A lot of those artists, they have so many things in common, more than the stuff that kind of, you know, separates them from each other. Mm. And I think a lot of the record companies was really into, and this is a well-known fact, into manufacturing and and, 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 and uh, branding these different kind of genres, you know? So they, they, the, the kind of invention of the blues as a defined genre, I think you have to understand how like a label like Bluebird in the 30s was really defining for how you yeah. know, people started to play blues all over. And you had this, you know, jukebox all around that people listened to and that kind of make these kind of re uh, regional variations um, um, more and more, uh, um, they kind of more and more disappeared, you know, mm. uh, because people have the same kind of records that they listen yeah, to. Yeah, they had the same references. Yeah, the same references. And the record companies, they sold race records for Afro-American uh, audience yeah. and they sold, you know, old time and other records for the white uh, audience. Mm. But at the same time, a lot of those musicians have many things in common and some of the, the you know, recordings from the early 20s uh, 1920s. Uh, it's very hard to tell if it's an Afro-American musician or or, 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 or uh, Irish-American musician playing. Yeah, so you know? a lot of it is like in the marketing of the music. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And yeah. today we are uh, very fond of you know labeling things and thinking like this is bluegrass and this is that genre and so on. Even though today, what gives me hope is that a lot of young people they don't relate to genres in that way at all anymore you no. know they're kind of open-minded because everyone has access to everything these days yeah. because of the internet I exactly which is both a good thing and a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> it's true because it, it makes it very hard to to actually um, as we were talking about before like yeah to really get to know a genre and yeah. really embody it in yeah. a way yeah exactly. because there's all these distractions exactly. all, all the time it's like i had a sonitary cassette back in uh, early 90s. Yeah, which you probably knew backwards. And yes, I, I could play all the solos. I thought I could play all the solos, mm. but that's another thing. But it's very important, that kind of way of, you know, really working on the material and sometimes 
you know get bored on the material mm. to, to 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 understand it in a deeper way, and I, th- I think that's very, really important. But by the uh, way, learning tunes from a cassette sounds very hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rewinding and yeah, finding yeah, yeah, the exact yeah, yeah. spot, uh, and uh, the, the, the the pitch could uh, you yeah, know yeah. depend <laughs> on the cassette player and so on. No, but I think being creative. Uh, uh, to me, um, it's, you could do it in different ways. Either you could, you know, play really traditional and work on all these small nuances on, you know, uh, embellishments, rhythm, texture, tone, and so on. Uh, that's one way of being creative. It could be, you know, more narrow-minded, but it, uh, it's it's fully legit to, to work work in that way if that's your thing. Mm. But uh, Another way to to be creative, I think, is to to you know explore different genres that kind of resonates with each other. You know, mm. that kind of talks to each other, and I, that's more my approach. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> for I think some people find it frustrating because you know one day I could be playing you know uh, kind of fusion whatever uh, in some kind of uh, context and another day I could play a D for Belly song yeah. and for some people that doesn't comprehend that, that that's no. that's crazy you yeah. know <laughs> but but uh, I'm not so into that kind of, kind of you know branding myself as a you know authentic that or this artist I think it's uh, important to mix things up but do it in a proper way to do your homework <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point as well yeah. especially if you want to be taken seriously within yeah, 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 a, a, a community. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, it's just music, so everything is allowed. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you want to be taken seriously as a musician in on the blues scene yeah. or on the folk scene, yeah. you kind of need to know like what you're doing. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll be exposed pretty quickly. <laughs> in a way, I think so. But in another way, you have like, you know, you find these harmonica videos on, on YouTube or Facebook. I produced quite a lot of them myself. Mm. I have this YouTube channel where I have like hundred and something harmonica videos out when I'm playing like solo stuff by myself just for fun. Uh, but, you know, this, the, 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 the videos that have like eight million views or so on, they're actually not that good. Or not, not if you ask, a, you know, a harmonica player like me. But, you know, what, you know, average people or the audience, the ones you are trying to communicate with, mm. likes are sometimes much simpler and um, much more simple in their in their expressiveness. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I think. Well, that's a different thing, like yeah. being liked by the audience, yeah. than to get like credibility. Yeah, that's I- a different in, thing. In a scene. But I think it's I think it's important to have this balance, and I think. Uh, uh, you, you, earlier on when I was younger I used to you know I said oh people you know what, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what were I thinking about <laughs> you know but the, these days I can see like how really simple concepts have this strong emotional impact and mm. it's very important not to forget that no because like the, reason, get, the reason why we're doing music is yeah. actually to have a connection exactly. with whoever is listening exactly. the, the audience yeah um, so yeah it can be easy to forget that sometimes when you're just just so hung up on like doing everything correct and having like, exactly co- credibility in, exactly. in the scene. Like. And I think a good thing is to talking about streaming of music these days. You could uh, find these playlists put together by Spotify, for example, or YouTube or something, uh, with a hashtag harmonica, and that's it. And you, f- I, 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 sometimes I listen to you know those playlists, and it's like 
is everything from 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 tango harmonica from the 70s to 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 billy joel playing piano man to, yeah. and it's, it, it doesn't um, in one way it doesn't make sense but in another way it's very interesting to show how this instrument can create meaning in so many different contexts mm. and sometimes you find you know new ideas or new simple things that really work you can listen to a guy like uh, neil young and you think well that, that's you're thinking that that's really nice actually it yeah. works so, so I, I think it's important to have this kind, that kind of philosophical aspect of, about how you know approaching uh, harmonica music. Mm. I think so. Cool. So, just to get a bit technical for a moment, um, when it comes to the harmonica, would you say that it is an easy instrument to play? <laughs> it's very easy to get sound out of, you know, mm-hmm. because your only ability you have to have is to be able to breathe. And if you're not able to breathe, you're probably dead. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, so it's, it's quite it's, it's simple. And if you listen to a guy like Bob Dylan, what he's mainly doing sometimes is... He's breathing he, in and out. Breathing <laughs> in and out, you know. But he's doing it intentionally. Uh-huh. That's why I'm saying when people ask me, is Bob Dylan a good harmonica player? I said, mm. Bob Dylan is the kind of harmonica player he wants to be, you know. Yeah, and that's another discussion. But So it's simple to get sound out, sound out of. But the thing is to get a good tonal quality and to play proper single notes mm. and to play with control. It's uh, I would say it's difficult because it takes time to practice to build up these uh, muscles in your mouth and cavity and so on. Mm. And if you don't have that kind of control, it doesn't matter if you have all kind of good ideas, I think. And I mean, I dabble a bit in harmonicas myself. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the tricky parts is that it's hard to understand how everything works because everything yeah. is inside the mouth. Exactly. Like I've exactly. tried to explain to people how to bend notes, for example, yeah, yeah. and I have no idea how I, how, how I even do it myself. No, right? no, that's true. <laughs> and and uh, I think uh, some of the, uh, the special aspects is that it's, it's like magic. It's invisible. You just put it in your mouth and it, and it happens, you know, and it makes it hard to do, explain too. But... Uh, the, the thing you really need to know is that it's it's uh, it's simple in that way that it has a major chord and it's have like this seven chord when you draw in mm. and uh, you can play it in what you call different positions yeah. and position is uh, um, that you can use a harmonica for example played in uh, uh, tuned in G but you can play in uh, in G on it which will be first position or uh, this is first position or you can uh, use uh, the second hole as a tonica and you can play in D which is the second position mm. or you can use it uh, as uh, to play in A minor which is what you call third position and you have like 12 positions for all the keys in in, in the chromatic scale you yeah. know and uh, most uh, harmonica players today they use second position or for blues for anyway. blues and so on so again, yeah. first position is the one you you associate with like scandinavian traditional music for example like it's what it's made for you know playing stuff like that and then you have the blues which is second position where you mainly draw in where mm. you can play like And you can do all these rhythmic kind of things, you know, uh, mm. which is really cool. And it opens up a lot of possibilities, even though playing like um, complex melodies are kind of difficult in second position. Because you you lack some of You lack notes. some half notes. Yeah. And you can use like modern overblow techniques where you can get all the half notes too. Yeah. But they're not, in my ears, always properly intonated. You can play stuff like... 
using overblows. Mm. But uh, so uh, that works best for like passing notes and passing notes, grace notes, stuff like that. Mm. Mick Kinsella uses it for playing Irish music on the diatonic harmonica. Okay. He mm. does it quite nicely okay. in, in regular tuning. And the third position is a um, playing in like A minor on uh, a G harmonica, and it's um, suitable for some folk music things too, in like these model kind of minor tunings, like. <laughs> And uh, this third position thing came in the 40s because then you had uh, quite a few popular harmonica players playing the big chromatic harmonica yeah. with the button on. Mm. And the chromatic harmonica is tuned in what you call solo tuning, yeah. where you have like a, a major seven, uh, major C chord when you blow out, yeah. and you have like a minor D chord when you draw in. Mm. And it's very suitable for playing you know, stuff like Summertime that Larry Adler made popular in the 30s. Yeah. And these blues harmonica right. players listened to this guy and they probably didn't have a chromatic harmonica. No. <laughs> they were really, really expensive back mm. then. So they started, you know, to dabble around in third position. <laughs> and and little Walter was one of the guys that made this position popular in, in, in blues harmonica. And then you have fourth and fifth position, which it's... Uh, used in some folk music stuff before the 40s. Uh, and uh, fifth position is like, a, uh, like a, a minor position where <laughs> you use the second hole out as the root note, which would be uh, using a C harmonica you would play in E minor, I think, actually. Okay. An example could be, since I'm talking about a C harmonica, could Correct. be like... <laughs> So uh, I use it sometimes, and you can find it on some recordings uh, from you know pre World War Two. Uh, but uh, after the world, uh, after the world, Second World War, you don't find much fifth position playing on any record, I think. No. And the last position that are you know uh, that I like to mention is what you call twelfth position, which is the last position, uh, and uh, it could also be called. Uh, it's another name for it, but anyway, then you use a G harmonica, for example, to play in C, and uh, your root note is the second hole bend, uh, half step down, and it's okay. I'm dissing. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's 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 suitable for like ragtime stuff. So which uh, key are you in then on no, the C I'm harmonica? I'm in C on uh, G harmonica. Oh, okay. So you can listen to a guy like Daddy Stowpipe from before Second World War. Uh, playing uh, some stuff in 12th position. Okay. He probably didn't know it was 12th position. He <laughs> didn't care either. No. But he used it for playing these ragtime kind of lines. And I can just play a little bit of 12th position for you. So on. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Really jazzy. V very jazzy, and it suits kind of jump. Almost. Yeah, it suits jump blues styles, and it suits ragtime and so on. And I used that position quite a few times actually. Hmm. Uh, so 
those are you know common positions and uh, at the same time you have all these different tunings too that you can throw on top of it all mm. and then you have many different possibilities and then people ask me yeah, why don't you use a chromatic harmonica instead why well, you make it so difficult for yeah. yourself and the thing is that i think the charm of the harmonica is that uh, it it's an instrument where you can play uh, it's a, it's 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 a, it's a instrument where you can play chords uh, and you can do all kind of cool chordal stuff at the mm. same time as you have this very nice tonality. Mm. And that combination of chordal playing and good tone, for mm. me, is the epitome of what I like about the harp. And also find... It's just a car arriving. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just like the whole roof was coming down. <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, I find out some of the coolest instruments are often the instruments that have a lot of uh, limitations to them. Yeah because that kind of forces a specific sound. Yeah, like sometimes when I sit down with the piano, I'm just, okay, I can basically do anything on this instrument. Yeah. And maybe the the chromatic harmonica is kind of similar. Like when you have everything available to you, it can be hard to know what to do. Yeah. Whereas if you have an instrument like the tin whistle, for example, or, yeah. or the diatonic yeah. harmonica, yeah. it kind of automatically give the instrument a much more characteristic yeah. sound perhaps yeah yeah I, I think you're absolutely right and it, it's about you know different ways of approaching music because for me those limits make me creative in a way you know mm. I like to work around those limits and then I, my brain starts you know working around it but uh, if I'm given like a keyboard or a chromatic harmonica and I say play anything it's like I have yeah, this uh, you know blank piece of paper blanket over my head so uh, but I know you know people I know that are you know composers and so on they 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 like to have all kind of possibilities because you know for them for some of them I think music is more like it's not that kind of material aspect of it it's more like an intellectual thing you know that translates later mm. on but at the same time you can work with composers and so on and they are really interested in different textures and timbers and yeah, so and on you, you said know? you've been doing a lot of work uh, with uh, movies and things like that yeah and I, I'm guessing that when I'm, when whenever they they call you it's yeah. because they want the specific sound that you can provide yes it's it's a sound or it's a texture or something mm. And I did this uh, TV series for NRK with... with which uh, is the Norwegian... Uh, broadcasting, yeah. national broadcasting. We call Twin, which uh, we, with Kristoffer Hibju from Game of Thrones. And a friend of mine, Martin Hornfett, made the music. He's oh, a great. Oh, he's brilliant great. composer mm. and musician and magician and crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we came. I came to the studio and he said... He just, you know, showed me footage of it and he said, I want something like, you know around that kind of thing you know mm. and i play different scales and uh, different harps with me and different textures and then if suddenly find something that he really likes and then you kind of elaborate the idea out of that mm. so i i really like that way of working you know mm. but uh the backside of, of it is that it you know you have to have a lot of harmonics yeah like all the time. whenever i'm like <laughs> holding a big keyboard instrument or something into a venue people yeah. will always make jokes about oh you should have been playing the harmonica yeah yeah but yeah, you yeah. know no, no, it's actually. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't complain. I always uh, help the drummers anyway if I have a gig with them. But no, I, I think that different tuning tunings could open up, you know, different kind of uh, possibilities. And these days, a lot of harmonica companies are really trying to be cutting edge and coming up with new kind of inventions mm. and new kind of tunings that are easy to buy, uh, which would be like science fiction, like 20 years ago, yeah. or 10 years ago, for mm. that matter, you know? So it's it's a good time to be a harmonica player? It is. And I really like this, uh, I have to mention, these low tunings, which is, 
tune like two octaves beneath a regular harmonica. Two octaves? Yeah, so you have like a regular E harmonica, it would sound something like... Right, quite uh, high-pitched, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you have like a low E harmonica, which is kind of medium pitch. Is, uh, I, I prefer that sound more. It's more meaty and mm -hmm. more body. Mm -hmm. And then you have the low, low E, which is uh, as low as it gets. And then it's like a different instrument. It's like. So um, oh, it's uh, really cool. It's very cool, and it's a very different texture. You know, it's the same key, same kind of tuning, okay. but just three octaves in between them, and it's completely different instrument. You know, so uh, is that a, like a custom-made thing, or can, is that no? Like you can buy them online, or you can buy from uh, this is a commercial break. You can buy it from munspilbua.no, which <laughs> a friend of mine runs, which right. imports these kind of harmonicas, and uh, they're actually standard from the factory. Huh. But uh, factories like. The Seidel factory, which I have this endorsement agree agreement with, uh, they m make, you can go into the web page and you can pr make a tuning, mm. crazy kind of tuning, okay, and they make it for you and they send it to you, you know? <laughs> so I have like this Dorian minor tuning that I really like, uh, which is kind of like a mixture of uh, minor and major tuning, mm. which I heard with a French harmonica player called uh, Jean-Jacques Milteau, which is really uh, very very good harmonica player. He uses it a lot, and I heard it, and I was thinking, what is he doing? He said major or minor, and he used it for blues songs. And uh, I had the Seidel Factory to make one for me, okay. and it sounds uh, something like. It opens up a lot of you know possibilities huh. texture wise uh, and for for you know different kind of chords split chords you can use and so on hmm. so uh, uh, it's a good time to be uh, uh, <laughs> try to be a creative diatonic <laughs> harmonica player because you have all these possibilities today that you didn't have like just 10 years ago but do you have any upcoming projects featuring Traditional music from Scandinavia these days, or is it uh, mostly like a no, hobby uh, thing at this point? No, I'm having two projects now. I'm having the project with Turana Becken, mm. uh, and we are playing some gigs together, and we are talking about doing a fourth record. And, and you're kind of mixing up folk music yeah, and we, blues we, and everything, yeah, yes. and you? having a you know jazz blues piano in the bottom kind of makes it something different than traditional folk music anyway. Mm. Uh, but we're talking about doing a, a, a second record with with traditional material from from Finskogen and from the from the, the, the border area between Sweden and Norway. Mm. Uh, that's one project, uh, but it moves along very slowly because he lives in Trondheim and I live down here. Yeah. So uh, that's one of them, and I'm uh, having this project when I'm trying to double with American fiddle old-time music now, playing mm. with this uh, Fele Boga, which is like a Norwegian very good uh, old-timey band. I'm cool. 
guesting with them on their next uh, video cast next week. So oh. I'm trying to learn all these difficult uh, old-timey fiddle tunes uh, uh, on the harmonica. <laughs> yeah, that's a different beast. As well, it's really it? a challenge, but it's very fun. When it works, it's, it's great fun. Mm. And uh, the last project I'm working on is... Uh, uh, I'm thinking about doing a record with just solo harmonica stuff because I've been doing all these uh, videos uh, on Facebook and on, on, on YouTube and so on. Mm. And uh, I would really like to do a good solo or concept record like that. Uh, there's not too many of them, you know. No, surprisingly not. No, there, there's uh, one guy called, uh, well, he's, he's um, uh, called Dan Kaplan. He's actually a blues harmonica player, an artist from Texas. He made a, a solo harmonica record like uh, 20, 30 years ago almost now called uh, Vera Hall, which is really good, just traditional blues harmonica playing. But mm. it's not boring. It's variation and it lasts for like 40 minutes. Mm. And then you have this um, Swiss harmonica player called Roland van Straten. Okay. And he mixes up ori oriental music with blues. And he has a solo record out too called... Huh. Sen and the Art of Harmonica Playing, which oh. is uh, blues harmonica mixed with oriental music. And it uses a lot of overtones and overblows and so on. It's like one hour of solo harmonica from the late 90s, I think, that record. Okay. And George Winston, the composer, also has done a lot of nice solo harmonica stuff, uh, as well as his mentor, Sam Hinton. And all those records are uh, on all kinds of streaming services mm. these days online. And we'll make sure to link to all of these yeah. things in the show notes as well. You'll get a whole of all the good stuff. So. Cool, but uh, I see that we're uh, past the one-hour mark. Yeah, and it also feels like the rain is coming now. Oh, so we should probably try to uh, <laughs> to end this uh, somehow. We'll wrap it up with a quick uh, kind of fiddle tune that I heard with a guy called Dave Rice okay. called "Snowbound Blues." Cool. Yeah. Thanks okay. for coming on the show, and um, pleasure to meet you in person. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so thanks for listening to the end. I really enjoyed this chat with Ricard. And as always, if you have ideas or suggestions for topics or guests for the show, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can reach out via email at thefolkmusicpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find the show on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're everywhere these days. (laughs) So uh, usually I'm kind of looking for a good subject or an interesting angle first, and then I'm trying to find a guest that can help me dive into that particular subject. So, um, yeah, um, I'll be um, very grateful for any help. I'm always on the lookout for good um, episode ideas. So uh, that's that. But um, uh, this show is over. Uh, Have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.